Welcome to Empathy Power Up, a collaboration of two people who connected during the pandemic through their love of empathy and action. Two people from very different backgrounds, helping each other find ways to love themselves, understand their experiences better, and help reverse the rise of narcissism and the divides in our communities. We will cover various topics about the human experience to help us power up on tools of empathy and emotional intelligence in the pursuit of one simple goal, create a world where people seek to understand themselves and each other. This is a learning journey amongst fellow humans. We're all just figuring out life together. As a first-generation American and first-generation in my family to go to college, I didn't have a lot of mentors in my life to teach me what to expect or do when I entered college. I was a small-town girl going to a state school with about 40,000 people, and that was a huge change, and I was really struggling to adjust and fit in. After a terrible first semester in which I almost left college altogether, my family suggested that I join Habitat for Humanity. What started as dipping my toe into the water turned into offering up my Friday and Saturday into Saturday evenings to pick up a 15-passenger van to transport a van full of college students in this part to this part of East Baltimore called Sandtown. And we would renovate a townhome for one of the families that needed a home through Habitat for Humanity. Before my eyes, I would see a foundation being laid, the plumbing, the HVAC, the electric being laid, and the house starting to take shape through framing both outside and in. And over the course of a year and for the rest of my four years of spending weekends going up to Sandtown, I witnessed us finishing and dedicating five houses to families in need. I reveled in the progress we made in a day and over a month and over a year. I saw firsthand how many hands can build new opportunities for other people who lived in much different ways and lives than I. And as I kept showing up and kept coming back, I learned much more about what it took to construct and renovate an old row house. At the same time, the progress I witnessed and the relationships I built were so satisfying that I wanted to keep coming back week after week. So several years later, my house building skills were put to the test once again, as I was handed a project to build 50 homes in four months after Hurricane Katrina through AmeriCorps. Those skills that I learned years before were there, and it helped me to grow into this new version of myself. Now I'm managing a project of hundreds of volunteers and millions of dollars of resources to help return St. Bernard Parish and the community back to its former splendor. And it also helped me reach new levels of accomplishment to now lead a project with even more impact. And as I grew in this role, I also got to develop myself and see the impact I can make on others. And over time, I started craving making an impact and a difference in other people's lives. That growth led to more accomplishment 
accomplishment, so on and so forth. So that is, <laughs> that's where I ended um, at the end of the day. Yeah, thank you for sharing um, that story. I think it uh, highlights uh, our topic for today so well. We're talking about the final framework of uh, that's in the U.S. Surgeons General's framework for work workplace well mental health and well being, the opportunity for growth. And I think how you, I don't think you had ever built a home before this, right? Like, mm -hmm. and so this is this is such a good example of sort of creating a space where you can grow and then learn. And then you started spending week after week doing this work and then being able to lead teams and drive larger projects. Companies want that. They want their employees to grow and be able to do those things. And, and workplaces want that and organizations want that. And this story sort of, sort of tells me all of that in one. And so it's such a beautiful way to in, in introduce this topic, I think, where we're talking about, um, the final framework, the final essential, which is uh, the opportunity for growth. When organizations create more, more opportunities for workers to accomplish goals based on their skills and growth, workers become more optimistic about their abilities and more enthusiastic about contributing to the organization. And that's what happened in your story, that you got more excited about doing more and you came back every week because you saw the framework being built and you saw how you could stretch yourself and grow. At least that's what I got from the story. The, this is this essential rests on the human need of learning and a sense of accomplishment. And then you had that. You got to learn how to build houses. You got to learn how to manage people. You got to learn how to do big projects. And then you felt that sense of accomplishment at every stage as you saw the plumbing get through, as you saw the HVAC get through, like it, it, each step of the way. And so in this, the framework talks about learning is the process of acquiring new skills and knowledge in the workplace. An accomplishment is the outcome of meeting goals and making and, and having an impact fundamentally. And we're going to dive deeper into all of this. And we're going to talk about it because um, like Amy and I do, we just nerd out and we go deep into these research holes to understand this. So, but I just wanted to make sure I highlight what the framework sort of how they position this essential, and then we'll dive deeper into the topic. Uh, from the framework itself, they talk about learning helps workers meet deadlines and reach goals at work while promoting healthy social interactions. Without learning or working towards shared goals, workers can start to feel stagnant, frustrated, and ineffective. While learning is a process of growth, accomplishment is the outcome of meeting goals and having an impact. Accomplishment con confers a sense of competence that reduces stress anxiety, and self-doubt, back to the mental health well-being. When organizations create more opportunities for learning, accomplishment, and growth, workers, workers become more optimistic about their abilities and more enthusiastic about contributing to the organizations. That what, that's what companies want. They want productivity. They want people to be excited about being there and producing and delivering impact. And this is all what the framework is helping do, is like keep your people healthy and, and they will deliver. To better understand this essential, it's broken down. Let's break it down into two needs connected to opportunity for growth, learning and accomplishment. So let's start with learning. Uh, Amy, you talk about learning in depth in your book, Empathy for Change. And in I learned so many things from that as well. So I would love to learn from you about learning. <laughs> <clears throat> well, one of the things I think about is that whether we embrace it or not, we're all on a journey of change and we're all evolving. 
um, on a cellular level. We're not, we're not even the same person we were yesterday and all our cells even turn over every seven years or so. So we're quite literally not the same person we were a decade ago. But what I've also have gone deep into down this rabbit hole is that it's through learning and accomplishment that accomplishment that we can grow. And I like to use this analogy of a flower for learning. And during the life cycle of, of a flower, the seeds are planted, the gardener cultivates and waters it, and over time, it will begin to sprout and bloom. And then if we're lucky enough, we'll be able to harvest this bounty and feed ourselves and those we love. I mean, if you're having a flower, I guess, you know, um, sometimes flowers are edible, but other other, other things you can have, like, you know, um, you know, fruits, tomatoes, fruits, yeah, pumpkins, yeah. water, yeah. you know, watermelon, all these things. Um, so, but what's also interesting is that you and your mentors are the gardeners and you choose how you want to nurture this flower or this, this pumpkin, this, you know, to fully bloom and flourish. So, and I've also found that sometimes our workplaces are fertile ground for us to flourish and the cultivation and gardening that you get from your peers and your mentors allows you to grow and bloom. But oftentimes you do not have fertile ground and the people around you will not be able to make you into the best version of you or give you the care and feeding you deserve and need. So what you learn and how you're cultivated really matters in our work context. And um, are you, the question is like, are you able to be fed the nutrients that learning provides to grow and blossom? Or will you be allowed to fend for yourself and then wilt? And all of this done, work is done in community and often can't be done alone. So yes, you can learn a skill or two, but most of our knowledge is done by being with other people. So as you said before, learning is the acquisition of knowledge or skills through things like experience, study, or being taught. And you can even develop out horizontally or even vertically. And so horizontally is when you're growing outward. You're taking that new knowledge or skills. It's usually expanding or going deeper in a topic. And these, there's three kinds of knowledge that you can acquire. And this is something that I've gone deep into because I've built lots of like innovation playbooks before. And I've really gone into being like, how do you change the mindsets and the psyche of people to be more productive and have more efficiencies and effectiveness? And the first one is explicit knowledge. And this is knowledge that you can articulate, write down and share easily. This is something that you can write in a toolkit or a scope of work or a statement of work or what is it? The SOW, which is- um, Yeah, statement of work. Know, yeah, statement SOW. of work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so you can write this down or or SOP, like, um, uh, you know, for um, like the steps you need to do uh -huh. a process. But then there's also implicit knowledge. And that is- applying this explicit knowledge. So it's transferable from like one job to another, or one example of is, is one example of implicit knowledge, right? So tacit knowledge is the third kind, and that's knowledge gained from personal experience. And you, it's hard to express that. And it's often learned through like apprenticeships, through experience, like actually applying this work at the end of the day, right? And 
that's really difficult to experience. And that's tacit knowledge. So that whole grouping of this kind of knowledge is like acquiring new knowledge or skills. But then there's also vertical development. And vertical development is um, is how to describe this in a words that we already know is you have these new knowledge and competencies, which is horizontal development. Um, it's about the things we know or we practice. It's a, a developing our ability to do more. But a downside to this is that it doesn't help us to do be better in the world. <clears throat> On like then comes in vertical development. It's how you grow up. It's about how you achieve more impact in the world. So it's it's kind of a form of personal growth that helps you. It's kind of like an internal operating system that helps you with your relational abilities, your emotional abilities. And it's elevating the way you think and you perceive the world. And un, you're having a deeper understanding of yourself and the world around you. It's kind of like a mental maturity over your lifetime. But what's what's interesting about this research around adults and how they learn is that <clears throat> not all adults develop vertically. So it's it's kind of like driven by choice. It's driven by opportunities to grow. There's the and they essentially research shows there's three stages of adult development. I'll just go quick the quickly through them right now so that you can uh, understand how we develop vertically. <clears throat> so, but what's important about this is that it to move up these levels, you need to have a lot of intention. You need to have a lot of practice, and it depends upon your own like livelihood and ability to move through them. So there's three parts of the three stages of this group, this development. Number one is our, our programming to fulfill our needs for safety, comfort, and belonging. So it's what you're going to be doing, right? Is just being like, how can I, my entire life is created around this feeling like I need to belong and be part of something, right? And so you're going, you're not going to take charge. You're just kind of following along with what other people say and want what you want, what they want you to do so that you can just be part of this, this bigger whole. That's the first stage of group development. The second one or adult development. The second one is mind 2.0, I would say. And that's where you start having an individual mindset, right? And so you start saying, I want to stand out. I want to advance I want to get ahead. So you're willing to be more uncomfortable, unsafe, because you want to get ahead. Um, and what research has shown is that about 35% of all adults and 85 of executive op executives operate at this space. So most people go um, stay in mind 1.0, but mind 2.0, there's a larger group of people. And then there's this third mindset. And it's um, this feeling of fulfilling the need to contribute, to add value and lift other people up. So this part is where you're starting to benefit something greater than ourselves. So we're now becoming um, an independent thinker to becoming an interdependent thinker. And so humility is a big part of this. And what's interesting is that the research has shown also that, you know, only about 1% of adults and 8% of executives get at that level. So, so what I would just kind of summarize all the things that 
we were just talking about is that we have horizontal development, which is acquiring skills and knowledge to deepen our growth. Vertical development is how you can move into deeper levels of intentionality and practice. Um, the work and the workplace can help us grow in both ways and over the course of our careers. And we would be really lucky if we're both able to grow vertically and horizontally um, and also to get to a place of collective growth and development. Um, and I think the important part here is collective is that important word because um, I, I feel like at the end of the day, we can't do this alone and we need support. Um, and the workplace is a prime place for that to happen. Yeah, I, so, I, think, I think the collective yeah. and what you mentioned about interdependent, I think I, I really like it's this level of first realizing just enough growing to, so we feel safe and comfortable yeah. and sense of belonging. Then it's like, okay, I want to stand out. I want to see what, 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 who, is, who am I and how am I growing and learning? And then realizing that really who am I is interdependent, part of the collective and we're learning together, we're growing together and all coming together. And like, I, I learned a lot in that where we talk about the space and creating a space where we get there. So I love that. So I think the second essential, the second need that we talk about in this framework that's talked about in this framework is accomplishment. So with learning, we have the need of learning and now humans also have this fundamental need to feel that sense of accomplishment, getting something done. So before we dive into understanding this a little bit better, I wanted to do a quick exercise. Let's do one. Amy, if you join me, uh, mm -hmm. that'd be great. And people listening, if you all want to join in, you're welcome to. Take a deep breath. And if you feel safe, close your eyes and think about the last time you finished a task. It could be something like cleaning your home, washing dishes, or submitting that status update to your leadership team. Whatever it is, go back to that moment. Try to feel what you felt in that moment. The feeling when we successfully completed something. The feeling of accomplishment. You're welcome back. You can open your eyes as you feel comfortable. Amy, would would love if you could describe a little bit of mm. what you felt. It was just a, it was a feeling that I just had a few hours ago. Um, mm -hmm. Did a kickoff um, and... For a new action cycle project I'm doing around designing a board game. And it's like, you know, all these people are giving their time over and um, it's, you know, a two hour kickoff. And so it's, it's, you know, the first time you're doing it, it's first time you're meeting people, there's this energy. But then I went, when I was done, I did it in such an authentic way that I think people were really grateful that I had put all this time and effort into it. And so I felt super accomplished and held. Yeah, it's a fun feeling, right? It's a feeling, it feels to me like a little reward, like a little reward. And then we'll talk about what that is when and when I have something completed. Um, I, and for me personally, I don't feel at ease when if I have like to-dos and I'm like, oh, I got to get that done. I got to get that done. And I, I use that feeling as a motivation to get things done. It's one of my superpowers, I think, just getting shit done, getting things done. I resonate with accomplishment a lot because it's a strong motivator for me. I'm a mission-driven person. And if I take on a mission, I am hyper-focused to get it done. I feel free and light and playful once I've got it done. And that sense of accomplishment, it's like, oh, I can bask in that. So when we feel accomplished, our body can experience several changes. 
the brain releases dopamine when you do something enjoyable, such as completing a task or feeling satisfied. And then dopamine can help with motivation and movement and can, can cause a feel-good sensation. And then serotonin is a neurotransmitter that, produce, uh, that produces when we feel satisfaction or importance. And if we and it can play a role in pride, loyalty, status. And when, when, when we feel a sense of accomplishment or recognition or that sense of importance because we've accomplished something, even if it's just to ourselves, we are experiencing the effects of serotonin. So it's that reward. It's that um, this sort of um, body telling us, hey, this is great. I feels great. And here's here some reward for you. The, the feeling of accomplishment is a complex and multi, multifaceted one. It can be described as a sense of satisfaction, pride, and fulfillment that comes from achieving a goal or completing a task. It can also be a sense of relief uh, as when one finally finishes a difficult project or overcomes a challenge. Think about a really challenging one. And when we get done, like, oh, I was done. I had that just right before the recording this, I had to finish a work project uh, update to a leadership team because we're doing a big project this week. And it took me four or five hours and it was challenging coordinating with the cross teams. And then literally a minute before I had to be here, I finished it. And I was like, wow, I feel that sense of relief. And it's complex because at the same time, like, oh, I got it done. And then I moved on to the next accomplishment, which is going to be this. And then at the end of this episode, I feel like we're all going to learn something and we're going to have that sense of accomplishment coming together. Um, uh, the, there are many different factors that can contribute to the feeling of accomplishment. Some of the most common are setting and achieving goals. When we set goals for ourselves and then work hard to achieve them, we feel a sense of accomplishment when we finally reach our destination. This is especially true when the goals are challenging or difficult to achieve. Then there's overcoming challenges. Another way to achieve a sense of accomplishment is by overcoming challenges. This can be anything from overcoming a personal obstacle, such as a fear or phobia, to overcoming a physical challenge, such as running a marathon. And, and, and this one, I, I still feel a sense of accomplishment till this very day. When I was a child growing up in India, I, I would see people, adults and others, eat the green chili and it's a really spicy chili in India and they would just have it like as a side to your meal like with salt or something as a part of the salad Mr. Raw Green Chili and I couldn't eat it as very very spicy for me so I said to myself you know what why is that the case why am I afraid of this so I worked on it I would eat a little tip of it little by little over a year or so I built up I, I built up the ability to eat the spicy chili and till this day, I feel that I overcome that big challenge and I still get excited. Like, oh, I trained myself to be able to be okay with that and enjoy that experience. And the final one is helping others. Helping others can also be a source of accomplishment. And this is back to what you mentioned on the learning as well, is that the interdependent thing, Amy, when we use our skills and talents to make a difference in the lives of others, we feel good about ourselves and our ability to make a positive impact on the world. And if you notice the theme across all of the previous ones we've talked about and all of this, there's, there's this theme of collective good coming together, that we aren't really individual. We are coming together because all of our feelings are tied to each other in a way. We are interdependent and we, are, we need each other. No one can survive on their own. That's, that's where we are as a, as, a, as a life, as one unit. 
then the feeling of accomplishment is, is a powerful one. It can give us a sense of purpose, motivation, and self-confidence. I talked about that. It's like I'm mission-driven and one accomplishment leads me to, oh, yes, let's do the next one. It can also help us build resilience and grit, which are essential for success in life. And I think this is interesting because a lot of companies ask for grit and resiliency in their candidates when they're interviewing and they're looking for that. So if you're struggling with that, this is an important one work on finishing tasks, use that to motivate that sense of purpose and keep going. And that builds that grit. And like, oh, I can work through hard challenges. Um, when intentional work results in impact, we feel accomplishment or we feel accomplished. Life wants to feel a sense of accomplishment. How do we know this? It's one of the ways we motivate ourselves when we achieve that next step. I think companies that don't think about this uh, for their employees, miss out on a powerful motivator. This is a fundamental need that humans have. And we love it when we complete a task, make an impact, overcome a challenge, be recognized by connecting people to this feeling and creating an environment where people can tap into this can often be powerful. Think about the projects we start, but do not finish them. Some of them we might start to dislike. We start building an unhealthy relationship with some of them potentially. So accomplishment can be important for many reasons. Well-being, it can contribute to a person's overall well-being. We talked about that. It can help people feel proud of themselves, confident in their abilities, um, fight that imposter syndrome, and have a sense of achievement. These feelings can boost mood, motivation, and tension. It can also signal to keep doing the activity again and again and keep motivating us and pushing us. Back to the growth, personal growth. Accomplishment can be important for personal growth, job satisfaction, and overall well-being. It can, all, it can acknowledge growth, um, resilience, and self-worth outside of work as well. So it's like af, as we accomplish tasks at home or at work, it affects the other part of our life as well. And then the work-life balance, uh, it can reinforce a healthy work-life balance. It can help people feel like they're progressing in their work, and which fuels their motivation and self-confidence. And finally, decision-making. Accomplishment can enhance the level of decision-making. And I think I see that a lot, especially as a leader. I see a lot of my team members struggle sometimes with decision-making, but I see them get better as they finish tasks, as they get those recognition, as they move forward in that learning journey and the prog progression. So leaders can help their teams feel this feeling. Accomplishment is powerful. And I coach my team in setting goals and setting up processes to review those so that they have this sense of accomplishment that they're making progress. So I think this is sort of how I unpacked and understood accomplishments. So coming together, learning and sense of accomplishment when they come together gives us this idea, this essential that there's uh, that we need for a healthy workplace, which is creating opportunity for growth. So Amy, what can we do as individuals in professional spaces to learn, to feel that sense of accomplishment and, and create this opportunity for growth? Mm -hmm. And I think that underlying that is this personal like pool um, to grow and accomplish new heights is also another need for certainty and comfort. So there's are like I, two sides of the coin. It's like one is certainty and comfort, and the other one is like I want to grow and accomplish things. Um, so, but when our world gets really topsy turvy, when we're trying to be good at our jobs build relationships, um, taking care of ourselves. Doesn't seem like there's a lot of time in the day, if you know what I mean. And so in these moments, 
we might become overwhelmed and reactive, um, which keeps us in this comfortable place. Um, we have a tendency to stay in a comfort zone um, where we feel like we're in control. But what what is happening in this, this, there's a diagram that you may have seen before where it's four circles on top of each other. And it says on one is like the comfort zone and surrounding that comfort zone is fear. Fear about other people's opinions, maybe of being laid off or being fired, um, of our reputation and among many others. So we often find excuses and lack self-confidence to take on this learning and growth at the end of the day. And so we'll stay stagnant. Um, so this is a for mindset um, um, the mindset around comfort zone was coined uh, by management thinker Judith Bardwick in her 91, 1991 book, Danger in the Comfort Zone. So it's this state where we just stay there and we are in, in a place where we don't have anxiety because we're not in the fear zone, but it's keeping us, um, stopping us from taking risks. So the other two areas is um, beyond the fear zone is the learning zone where you start acquiring new skills, we you deal with the challenges and problems that you're having, you're putting yourself out there, might be a little riskier, um, but you're extending your comfort zone over time. And then the final one, which is called the growth zone, is where you have purpose, you're able to live your dreams, you can set new goals, and any kind of aspirations that you have, right, um, you, can, you can grow and to be. And that is a place where there's like the money spot, but it's different for everybody, right? So you want to learn, but also growth happens like in many different ways. And so, um, but if you stay in your comfort zone, you're not really incentivized to reach new heights of performance and you can fall back on routines. Um, so at the end of the day, what is, why does this all matter? Um, so we have, we'll have a decrease of performance if we're in this constant state of arousal and distracted by the stimuli that's around us. So we'll be re reacting to what's in front of us instead of turn inward and to um, look in a bigger way, right? Um, it's also important because on the other side of fear and panic that we have is learning. So we're able to deal with the challenges, acquire these skills. And even beyond that is where the gold is found. It's where we're growing, living those purposes and dreams. So in our in our work, we will acquire new skills, but we have to be aware to be coachable and open to feedback to help us overcome this, maybe a sense of perfectionism that we're having. So at the end of the day, what can we do to support us and support ourselves to um, some opportunities for us to grow is one of the ways is to take on some new challenges, recognize that you're staying in your comfort zone and um, ask for more responsibility at work. It can help you develop new skills and learn new things, seek out feedback from your managers or colleagues, and, um, and then take advantage of training and development opportunities inside your organization and beyond. I think I've done like eight different certificate programs just because I needed a skill set and I needed to learn and grow. Um, so it's not only just, you know, like going back to the different kinds of knowledge, 
it's like you learn a new skill, but then you have to practice that new skill. So learning and networking with others, um, trying to figure out how do I practice what I just learned. Um, and at the end of the day, we have to be open to that learning and growth. And sometimes that involves taking risks and being in, in ambiguity and, and, and also being uncomfortable for a little bit, but it does pay off in the long run. So at the end of the day, all of these things, um, if you take advantage of these opportunities, you'll kind of start developing your career and start reaching that potential that you hope for. And then you can actually work, um, start standing into your own power, but also work with your manager to help um, you and your company and your manager grow yourself within the context in this like garden of your organization, right? So we do have to kind of step into our own power mm -hmm. and do that for ourselves. Yeah, I think it's such a great way to sort of re bring that back to us that it starts with us and us putting ourselves in the growth zone. And I think that's important, but also one thing you mentioned in your story is that environment we need to create and that's the workplace. And I think what companies can do to create such an environment where opportunity for growth is abundant and where people lean in and are passionate or motivated by that or feeling that sense of purpose, feeling that good, good reward of that sense of accomplishment. Um, companies and leaders of the companies can um, offer quality training, education and mentoring. This is back to the garden analogy. This isn't just safety training or like, oh, learning about the regulations, but learning about new ideas, bringing in thought leaders, inspiring curiosity into new innovative fields. It, it doesn't have to be expensive. Peers can share their passions and interests with each other, creating a space where people can say, why don't you teach something about your hobby or something like your art or anything? And all these little things inspire and, and help us grow. Um, then next thing companies can do is foster clear and equitable pathways for career advancement. There's a lot of lack of clarity in this, definitely in the corporate America and industry. And I see that often is that they're setting, having setting clear expectations and it changes often. So companies need to get tighter on what it means to, for career advancement. It doesn't always just have to be vertical advancement. It can also be horizontal advancement in this as well. But, um, having setting clear expectations, like using language, like saying, I expect this from this role. And these are the things I would expect that sets a very clear expectation. And then when people have that, I've noticed people perform, people lean into that. The, the role has followed, uh, has the out the following outcomes and behaviors like this role. I expect these behaviors from it or these outcomes to be delivered. And that sense gives that clarity. And I think companies really need to do that. And then also helping expand one specialization and providing ways for diversifying their impact. So if I'm working and just doing this one thing, maybe now and then let me apply those skills in something else where I'm impacting something else. And it stretches me, it puts me into new space and it pushes me back to that growth zone that you talked about. It enables me to push and companies can create that space. And finally, ensure relevant and reciprocal feedback. This is really important. Giving feedback is an act of love. I believe, I believe that wholeheartedly. When we share actionable growth-based feedback in a timely manner, we are sharing love. When we invite feedback, we build relationships of trust and improve psychological safety. It's, it's, this theme of feedback is coming up often because I'm noticing more and more organizations where feedback is not shared, it's not talked about. And even if it is, it's done in not in a healthy way. 
And so it's important to do it with love, do it in a way that it's not, you should have done this. More like this is the outcome we want. These are the expectations we have. These are the skills that may be lacking. Uh, or this is the impact of your actions. So, wow, do I feel a sense of accomplishment right now. Amy, how are you feeling? <laughs> We're going through all that. Yeah, it's a lot of sharing of stories, but also just it's going deep into down the rabbit hole, <laughs> I like to say, of of learning and accomplishment. And like it's uh, that's why I love doing this podcast, because <laughs> we get to I'm learning and you're learning. I'm learning from what you're saying and vice versa. And like, you know, it's it's not the, these conversations don't show up that often in in like the workplace, you get to have a conversation and share stories about like, oh, let me tell you about this thing. Mm -hmm. And um, so it's just really wonderful to be able to share these stories and and wisdom with each other and, um, you know, and, yeah. and help other people in the process. Right. We're vertically developing ourselves <laughs> in the course yeah. of this work. Yeah. And, and thank you, Amy, for helping us create an opportunity for growth here with this episode, I, I think. Um, <laughs> yeah. So every episode, we're going to we leave you with something to reflect on. And today we want to leave you with this uh, this week, uh, this episode, we want to leave you with uh, this idea of noticing the next time you learn something new. How did that feel? Think about that. Take a moment to to really check in with yourself to understand how that feeling is. What happens in your body? Try to understand what's happening in your body. Take that pause. And also when the next time when you complete a task or you accomplish something, pause and then describe that feeling back to yourself. Empathy Power Up is produced by Amy J. Wilson and Kevin Shaw, two people who bonded over their love for creating a deeper sense of empathy in the world. You can reach Amy at realamyjwilson and Kevin at Shaw Kevin.